This is the Hockey News Podcast. All right, welcome to the Hockey News Podcast. I am not Stephen Ellis. My name is Mike Stevens. I will be the new co-host, the new sort of uh, running mate to Mr. Ryan Kennedy over here. Ryan, cool, fun new era. I'm glad. I, I'm I'm hoping that uh, you know the shoes that Stephen left are not too big for me to fill. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wear like a size ten and a half or so. I feel Fair. like that's pretty good, right? That's like, pretty, yeah. I'm only five ten, so my feet are uh, proportionally that's big. There you I go. guess so. It's sure. pretty good. All right. All right. Sounds good. Yes. Um, what a fun, fun little stretch of hockey we got going here, huh? Mm-hmm. Like it, this is, uh, this is my. Uh, other than I would say like the the, fir- like the first round of the playoffs, this is my favorite part of the season. Is it? Because everyone's in the best shape of their life. So much hope. Exactly. Everyone's in the best shape of their life. Everyone had a great off season. Everyone feels healthier than they have in a while. Even the Chicago Blackhawks are probably thinking we can win a couple games. We want to prove some some people wrong. Definitely. This is before reality hits, and I yes. kind of like that. You get the best quotes. It's no NBA media day. I would say. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if you were paying attention to the quotes that happened yesterday. I uh, saw some, yes. Yeah. It, we don't get quite that level of gold, right. but it, it was still, it, it's still been fun. And what's also great is that we get kind of, we get news that happens sort of right before we start recording all the time. There's always transactions. It's not going to be quite like that in the regular season. The, mo- the, the most recent one is Spencer Knight mm-hmm. signing a three-year deal worth $4.5 million per um, 21 years old. He's like just an absurdly young goaltender. Like it is, you never see goaltenders make the NHL at 21, let alone be here long enough to sign a three-year deal yeah. at the money that he is. You know, th- 21 years old, three years, 4.5 million, 32 games played last year, 1993 record, two shutouts, 908 save percentage. It, they're definitely paying for future performance. What do, you, what do we think about this? Well, it was definitely a contract that they needed, uh, and I, I think it was good value. It, it's such a strange situation in Florida because you have that Sergei Bobrovsky long-term contract, $10 million per season. Yeah. You know, uh, Spencer Knight, when he first got to the NHL, you know, he had that really nice little run. Mm-hmm. And then last year, I think expectations were, I guess, a little too high. Yes. Um so he, you know, he is still developing because, as you said, he's still incredibly young for a goaltender. Usually, we don't even start to think about guys until they're 22, 23 yeah. years old. Um, obviously, he was a first-round pick, so you know there was that blue chip aspect to it. But I'm fascinated now because the Panthers are going to have 14 and a half million dollars dedicated just to goaltending. Yeah, that's a lot. That's quite a bit. And, I mean, Spencer Knight is certainly worth $4.5 million. In the future, maybe. In the future. Yeah. Um, Bobrovsky, obviously, we know he's not a $10 million goaltender, but what's done is done. I'm very intrigued to see what the future holds. I mean, with this season, you know, I'd like to see Spencer Knight get almost equal billing with Bobrovsky. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that's kind of what you need for Florida because Spencer Knight is the goaltender of the future and he's almost the goaltender of the present. You know, we're getting to that point. So you want to see him play a good amount of games. So he goes, he gets those reps. Having said that, you know, how long can you have two goalies with that amount of salary on the books? And, you know, maybe it's not this year, maybe it's next year or even the year after, you know, can the Panthers, deal Bobrovsky somewhere. Now, Bobrovsky does have a no-movement clause, mm-hmm. so you have that working against you, and you have to find a team that has $10 million of cap space for a goaltender in his 30s that, you know, at that point might not be a starter anymore. It's 
it's basically like, would Arizona take on Bobrovsky because, you know, you could give them another asset. And, you know, he is still a legit NHL mm-hmm. goaltender. Would they even want to do that? Would Bobrovsky wave to go no. to Arizona? Probably not. You could tell him it's less humid than Florida, but I mean, that's... To be fair, you know. like, because the the Bills played the, the Miami Dolphins over the weekend. I was watching that game. Yes. And it was known for being, like, the hottest. Like, mm-hmm. the, like you go into the locker room after all the beat writers were saying it. Like, they were just completely drained of any ounce of them. And when we went, you know, me, you, and, and Steven, we, we covered the cup final in yeah. Tampa. I like you couldn't pay me enough money to play an outdoor sport in Florida. So yeah, that, that sure. humidity makes sense. I had to bring a second shirt with me because our 10 minute walk from the hotel to the shuttle bus, right. I would sweat through that first shirt. Yeah. It is crazy. So who knows? Maybe the dry heat would be nice. Maybe. Now, what's really interesting about these deals, too, is they expire at the same time. Yes. And I wonder if that was done deliberately for so, Florida right? to say, OK, Spencer, like this is your bridge deal, mm-hmm. essentially. Once Bobrovsky's contract is off the books, then you get eight, nine million dollars, depending still, on what he deserves at the time. And he'll still be an RFA. Uh, yes. Which is very important. But like, this is quite, I mean, look, if you want to talk about bridge deals, that's fine. This is quite the bridge deal. Like, mm-hmm. we usually don't see bridge deals going, at least for a guy who is, as although he had a nice run to start off, he's still relatively unproven. Like, totally. last year was not a good year for Spencer Knight. Right. Like, like he should have taken that job away from Bobrovsky, and he didn't. Mm-hmm. He had a 908 save percentage. Yes, he's 21. Cool. Still, it's 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 very much like, what have you done for me lately, in a, in a, in a sense like that. This is this is pretty pricey for a bridge deal, especially because, like, you're not, you're, this, you're not really, you're, you're hoping that he develops into your, your absolute stud, but mm-hmm. are you expecting him to be that definitive number one goaltender who's going to give you that insane value on a $4.5 million contract Mm. before this contract expires? I mean, I think so. And I will say, you know, the, the sort of trouble for Florida this past season was Mm -hmm. they were going for it. They had an an awesome lineup. They still are. They still are. Yeah. But in that sense, you can't give Knight a really long leash because mm-hmm. you want to be winning games all the time. Like, you know, if, if Florida was a couple of years, you know, behind uh, and they were still sort of building their way up, then, you know, you could let Knight just sort of figure things out yeah. in the crease and you could give them, you know, 45, 50 games, whatever it is. But, you know, Bobrovsky gave them a chance to win most nights. Absolutely. And they had the lineup to obviously be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Didn't work out in the playoffs, mm-hmm. but hey, things happen. Um so in that sense, you know, Knight, it, it wasn't the ideal situation for his development. The fact that he jumped up so early, uh, as, as I said before, it kind of raised expectations. But I mean, still, he has been an excellent goaltender his entire career. You know, awesome at the World Juniors for Team USA. He was awesome at the program mm-hmm. for the NTDP. Uh, had a great college career as well. So, you know, I, I, I still believe that you're going to get that fair value sooner than later. It's just a matter of what's the split in the crease this year, next year, the year after that. Yeah. I mean, but last year was his first full season. He played four games, you know, mm-hmm. the, the year before. And yes, he had a 919. It was great. First full season, 908. You are definitely expecting. You're paying for future performance. That's yeah. how you do with these RFAs, really. Um, and yet, like like for a bridge deal, for a guy this, this young, this unproven, I get that he's a blue chip prospect. I get that his leverage is, well, I'm the goalie of the future. Yeah. And you're the guy, you're, the guy in front of me, the guy you're counting on has kind of t- gone, you know, taken the year off, year on kind of way where, you know, he next, who knows what he could be this year. Yeah. He could be an EC, like Bobrovsky could perform like an ECHLer or he could perform like the, you get his third Vesna. Right. We don't know. That's the way it is. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a little pricey, uh, uh, 
for my taste personally. Um, but, but we'll have to see. All right. Sidney Crosby mm-hmm. says that he and the Pens are still on a mission to win another Stanley Cup. They brought the whole core back together. Yes. Evgeny Malkin back. Chris Letang back. Br- uh, br- you know, Brian Russ back. Even though it's not necessarily part of that core gang, Ricard Raquel back. All, mm-hmm. all they really did, aside from a few trades, which we get into, is bring people back. Mm-hmm. They retained their talent. Um, look, they're still going to be a good team, I think. They're, they're, their division is a little less potent than it was in recent years. But is it is it realistic to call the this version of the Penguins a contender and see if they can you know the, do another if if they can really you know fulfill on the promise of this last dance mentality? Yeah, it's so tough because my head says that you know they're not one of the top contenders in their division. Like I look at Carolina as the most intriguing team, followed by the Rangers. Yes. But then I look at Sidney Crosby and I think about what Nathan McKinnon told us at. Uh, the player media tour mm-hmm. in Vegas, and obviously Nathan McKinnon, long history of Sydney Crosby, sort of like a they big party brother. together. Yeah, yeah, they train together every. They work summer. at Tim Hortons together. They work at Tim yeah. Hortons together. Yeah, they take a shift here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was saying that you know McKinnon's theory was that Crosby's going to want to play as long as he can at an elite level. Mm-hmm. Um, that was sort of his take on things, and. I trust Nathan McKinnon. He seems to know what he's talking about. Yeah. And you look at Crosby, and I think he had 84 points last season in mm-hmm. 69 games. And it's kind of funny. He still makes $8.7 million a year. That's wild. It's For nuts. a guy that I'm sh- I'd am i have to look at the voting, but he probably got some heart consideration uh, he last did. year. Yeah. And he's always motivated. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like, he wants those rings. He's already got some, wants more. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's what you want in a captain. And then you have Evgeny Malkin, who, again, when he's on, he's one of the best centers in the league. He's a world breaker when he's on. Exactly. And, he, and his salary's not that wild either. Chris Letang, still looking great, even though he's in you know his mid-30s at this point. Chris Letang's the kind of number one defenseman you want. He's a mobile puck mm-hmm. carrier. He can QB a, you know, your power play. He can play good minutes. So they've got the bones of things, and we know that they'll add because they, oh, yeah. you know, they, they <clears throat> always add, it seems, at the trade deadline. And obviously Raquel was um, you know, the big one last year. And they have all their firsts and seconds for the next three years. So there you go. For now. For now. Yeah. But I mean, like that's your, that's your chips right there. That's your yeah. chips right there. You know, Tristan Jerry, we, we've seen the high end with Tristan Jerry. So, I mean, he can he can be your guy. Yes. Right? Um, so if they get that, then it's like, okay, well, I get it. And I understand why they keep going for it because they have these tremendous core pieces. I just, like, I need to see it again because yeah. it's been a while. It's not necessarily the skill that worries me. Here, I think they have a. I think they have a very deep team. I mean, like like you said, having Sidney Crosby at eight point seven is insane. Having Malkin at six point one is insane. It's it, it, you know even guys like Jake Gensel at at six. You know, mm-hmm. and, and you go down the list. And even, you know Brian Rust at five point one two five. That was that was at least like you know my my co-host for the the Staff and Graph podcast, Jesse uh, Jesse Marshall. He covers uh, uh, Pittsburgh like crazy. He lives in Pittsburgh, and he was like that. That is like at least a million and a half lower than we were expecting him to get in the open market. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. But then I look at like everyone's old, <clears throat> like even like you know they everyone that I just listed there, Crosby's thirty five, Malkin's thirty six, 
you know, Gensel's 27, so he's in the middle of his prime, but Zucker is insanely injury, you know, injury prone from the last couple of years. He's already yeah. 30. Brian Rust is 30. Ricard Raquel is 29. You know, yeah, Jeff Carter's 37. Pete, Jeff Petrie, their, their prime, you know, guy on, the, on defense is 34. Latang is 35. Brian Dumoulin's 31. There's a lot of 30-year-olds in there. Yes. And there's a, and this is a long season, and those thir- a lot of those 30-year-olds, Crosby included, have missed long stretches of injury either mm. last season or very recently. I yeah. mean, the the Penguins were essentially without it, the, their entire <clears throat> excuse me their entire top six last year for at least ten games each. Like yeah. I, I wrote a piece about that last season, the middle of the season before even some of those guys missed longer. And it was like they missed the the story of their season last year was how impressive it was that they they got the amount of points they did, they finished as high as they did, yeah. and they looked as dangerous in the playoffs as they did, given the injuries that they had to deal with. Yeah, and. Another thing that they have going for them is is Coach Mike Sullivan has created a culture of accountability and a, a culture of next man up. Oh, 100%. So when they had those huge injuries, you know, we were all saying at the time, like, how are they doing this? Well, but, Evan Rodriguez, look at that. Yeah. Guys stepped up. Mm-hmm. Guys filled certain roles. And so they have that going for them. And, yeah, it just becomes a matter of when you get to the playoffs and you've already gone through an 82-game campaign – you know, I mean, we say this every year, it's a war of attrition. So it's like, do you have the bodies that can withstand the rigors of a game every other day? You know, some of which will be elimination games, some mm-hmm. of which will go to triple overtime, which we saw when they oh, went yeah. down to their third goaltender last year against the Rangers. And that was right at the beginning of the playoffs. So, Imagine what it would have been like in the conference final if they made it that far. Exactly. You know? It's And you look at it too, like Jeff Carter's already injured. He's already dealing with something, you know, like, you know, Malkin missed half of last year. But the thing about these guys, too, is no matter how much time they miss due to injury, they always perform whenever they're on the ice. They keep their paces up. Malkin was a point-per-game player last year. Yeah. He played 41 games. Yeah. You know, Sidney Crosby missed the entire first month of the season. You still rattled off his insane stat. It was 88 points in 69 it games. It was 84. 84. Yeah. That's, still, that's still crazy. You yeah, know, totally. Extrapolate that. That's almost 100-point pace. Like, it's, yeah. you know, this is a very – this is why I cannot count these guys out, especially because – They've they've they really have sort of solidified the bottom of their roster mm. with some in, really interesting pieces at affordable prices, like having you know like getting Danton Heinen for one million. Very like I think that's very very good. Teddy Bluger at two point two. Um, you know even a guy like Ryan Paling who like hasn't done much in Montreal, but now he is he is going to be like a strict depth guy. He's at yeah. league min. This is a guy who you know, was once a first round pick who has shown flashes in the NHL. Yeah. I th- and then and then even on their defense, I think just the sh- the shuffling they did, they got they brought in Jan Ruta, uh, uh, you know, and Jeff Petrie to, to really compliment some guys, mm-hmm. moved out Mike Matheson, even though he was good, uh, and John Marino. I think they're just, I-, I think they're doing a really good job of extending that window. But in terms of like the actual cup contenders, mm-hmm. like you said, I don't know, man. Like we saw, and covering my first cup final this year, really brought, like showed me, um, truly how insanely physical the toll is yeah. on a player not just mental but physical yeah and like i'm i'm 26 i was tired walking here you know so i i don't un, i like like four rounds deep in the playoffs if you're thir- if you're 35 36 and you have a history of groin you know strains or groin tears and i don't know how much you're standing up to that but we'll we'll see yeah it, feel, it kind of feels like dr strange is looking at all the different universal yes. permutations and he's like there's a couple there there I, definitely I, are. I see some there but it's it's tough there's more than one where they win definitely and, and iron man doesn't have to die in, the, in, no. in, in, in at least a couple of those yes. but it's not like but it's not the main i would say 
it's great that they brought the whole gang back together. I'm sure the vibes there are immaculate right totally. now. But, you know, we'll have to see. Then again, hockey's not played on paper. Very true. Who knows? Um, all right. Speaking of another, another injury-prone kind of veteran team, the Vegas Golden Knights. Mm-hmm. Mark Stone is, I would say, other than Jack Eichel, their most important player to remain healthy for this entire season. He seems to be healthy. He's training. He's going through training camp normally. I think he was wearing a non-contact to start. Yes. But, I mean, that might just be out of pure caution. Mm-hmm. It'd be like, don't mess with him. I think yesterday they took him out of the red jersey. There you go. Boom. So, That's all we need. That was the big Twitter news. Really? Okay. Yes. Well, I, I must have missed well, that. Big Ky- in quotes. Ky- Kyrie Irving's, you know, like uh, just absolutely unintelligible quotes yesterday on Twitter were uh, might have overshadowed that for there me. You but go. I don't know. Hockey Twitter. Exactly. Vegas hockey Twitter. Uh, Vegas hockey very, Twitter. Very specific. Um, so what do we think of Vegas this year? Because we talk about their goaltending woes. They have Aiden Hill and, uh, yeah. and Logan Thompson. It seems like Logan Thompson can be the starter. I hope so. I took him in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have Michael Hutchinson as their third, which is, uh, which is great. Um, this is a very top-heavy team, I would say. Yeah, and it's interesting because we haven't seen the full Vegas compliment yet. And it's, it's funny, go, again, going back to the Players Tour in Vegas, Mark Stone was there, Jack Eichel was there Were you in Vegas, well. by the way? I was. For the Players Tour? I was. Wow. Yes. Not Henderson. So, well, it was Henderson. There we yes. go. Um, but, uh, you know, Mark Stone was pointing out that, you know, they trade for Jack Eichel, and the whole idea was, okay, Jack, you're coming to a team where you don't have to do everything yourself. And then as soon as he got there, like five guys went out, and yeah. he's like, okay, Jack, you actually have to do everything yourself. So, so Mark Stone was sort of saying, like, now, you know, we're back, you know, mm-hmm. he, and, and at the time, and I guess this was a week or two ago, Mark Stone was saying, Mark Stone was saying he, you know, he expected to play preseason games himself. Mm-hmm. He expected to be ready for the regular season. So it seems like it's tracking that way. But, you know, I mean, this is a Vegas team that, yeah, they're going to have to protect their goalies because it's a young, you know, relatively inexperienced crew. I know Logan Thompson, you know, got some time last year. That's still experience, though. Yeah. It's a late season stretch. I mean, yeah, on. exactly. So they're going to need to protect their goalies. And, they, you know, they still have a decent defense score led mm-hmm. by Alex Petrangelo. Um, I, I think that, you know, Mark Stone and Jack Eichel, you know, obviously they have to sort of lead this squad but you do still have the decent depth where they brought back riley smith mm-hmm. they still have jonathan marcia so um you know they still have a lot of guys that have decent experience i think you know now chandler stevenson gets put into a role that he's more fit yeah, for he's not which the is, first line center <laughs> no second line center sure, sure do it up you know you got i mean you got great reps and i i think you know the past couple of seasons have been tremendous for his development mm-hmm. i mean really revitalize his career trial because, by fire really i mean he could barely even get a slot in washington mm-hmm. so you go eichel and then maybe you go chandler stevenson things just line up a lot better again i mean they're going to live and die by the goaltending and you know that division i think it gives them a, a better shot than mm-hmm. it would if they were say in the central uh but again like with the penguins like those guys gotta stay healthy yeah and i i mean Personally, I want to see Jack Eichel and Mark Stone on the ice at the same time. Oh, yeah. That is super intriguing to Phil me. Phil Kessel, even. And <laughs> Phil Kessel. Yeah. Almost forgot about Phil Kessel, which yeah. is funny because every player had a Phil Kessel story about just how like freakishly strong he is, about what a great guy he is in the room. So, again, you have another weapon there in Vegas. Let's see it all together. Mm-hmm. That could be super fun. And you know what? In the regular season, they might have to win a lot of games five to four, mm-hmm. but I'm cool with that. Yeah, I mean, look, Logan Thompson did a great job for them down the stretch. Taking a very difficult—it uh, it wasn't even just 
a, a difficult situation being thrust in there, but it was the, I would say, context in which he was thrust in there with, you know, the clear clash between DeBoer and, and Leonard and just the tensions around that team. There was, it was, something was off in Vegas last mm-hmm. year, definitely. And I think for a, you know, for a rookie goaltender, first trusted stretch to really have the, just the, the, the weight of an entire team's playoff hopes placed on your shoulder out of yeah. nowhere. I mean, he probably didn't even enter that season as their second. Like right. he was, he was ready to, to, to ride it out. And I think he did a great job. We'll have to see what it'll be like through through an entire regular season. But in terms of goalie woes, I mean, there are definitely teams with worse goaltender goaltending than them. There are definitely, I would say, even playoff teams with with worse goaltending uh, than Vegas. It'll be really interesting to see uh, how they do that. All right. Speaking of training camp, I said at the, off the top of the show, training camp, my favorite time of year, other than the first round, because everyone's hopeful. You can you can like you know you you can see. A ton of players potentially, you know, on their last shot to make to make the NHL. There yeah. are players who really need training camp. So we're gonna go through. Let's go through a couple. Talk about which players need training camp the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's veterans trying to extend their careers, whether it's rookies trying to really, you know, stake their claim, um, whether it's anything in between. And mm-hmm. you you had one you wanted to start off with, and then we'll kind of just bounce back and forth. Let's do sure. This. Yeah, uh, Marco Rossi in Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, this is a player that obviously uh, a first round pick, very highly acclaimed, uh, was. <clears throat> Excellent in the OHL with the Ottawa mm-hmm. 67s. And then, you know, he had a really bad bout of COVID oh, yeah. that basically knocked him out an entire season. And, you know, I, I've said this before with with other players. When, when you're developing, you know, losing that amount of time is – it really does set you back. You know, you think about a, a player like Tyler Benson as well mm-hmm. in the Edmonton uh, organization <laughs> where he, he missed a lot of time. So yeah. you – you then have to adjust your expectations and say, okay, what well, we thought Marco Rossi would be at 19, now we have to say maybe that's 2021. 20, mm-hmm. And, you know, he had an awesome season in the AHL last year with Iowa, put up a ton of points. Now it's it feels like, you know, he's had the reset where it's like, okay, now let's see what you can do. And I, I think I saw something the other day where – you know, Matt Boldy yeah. uh, obviously had a great rookie season last year. So now Marco Rossi is saying, okay, well, I've seen my buddy Matt Boldy do it. I want to get on and get in on that too. And, you know, for Minnesota, this is where it's all headed, where, you know, you have your star in Kirill Kaprizov and you want the supporting cast to help out. You know, you've got a veteran goaltender in Marc-Andre Fleury. You've got weapons on the back end like Matt Dumba and Jared Spurgeon. So, you know, just sort of filling out that team that, the offense, I mean, it's historically hasn't been very interesting in Minnesota until Kaprizov mm-hmm. got there. I mean, there was the Marion Gabrick era, but otherwise, you know, Kaprizov has been that one big sort of, you know, offensive threat for them. Getting guys behind him like Boldy and Rossi is going to be so crucial because, as we said, that central division is so deadly. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, with the amount, like they're going to have $14 million in dead cap for the next two years. So can you imagine how much that would help if you have Rossi and Boldy producing like top six players yeah. on their ELCs? Yeah. I mean, that's, that could, that could spell disaster. That could be the difference between you surviving the, those buyouts until they really go down opposed to you being like, oh man, we, we are operating with one hand tied behind our back financially. Yeah, totally. Um, in a very similar vein, uh, except maybe not COVID related, but definitely injury related is Nick Robertson for me. Okay. Yeah. Of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, it's, it's very similar to how we need to adjust our expectations for this prospect because everyone's kind of written, it's, it's, it's shocking to me that everyone's kind of written Nick Robertson off, you know, like the fact that he's not already in the NHL and putting up, you know, like 20, 25 goals a year, everyone's like, ah, bust. 
Right. First of all, he's a second round pick. So yeah. most second round picks, you know, he got, he's a second round pick that got picked three years ago, I believe. Mm. So, I mean, maybe let's temper the expectations there for a sec because most second round picks don't sniff the NHL in three years. But also, um, he's all he's done is put up fantastic AHL production, um, but also battled injuries. He has mm-hmm. missed the last two seasons. He's missed uh, you know, large swaths of the year dealing with lower, mainly lower body, I believe, injuries, which impact a guy who, you know, has a very interesting skating stance and maybe needs to, you know, sort of has to tweak that a bit. Um, but a, a, a spot, why training can't matter so much for him this year is because there is a prime spot for him waiting and ready for him to take it mm-hmm. alongside William Nealander and John Tavares on that second line. Um, you have that first Matthews line, Matthews, Bunting, Marner. That's fantastic. But then you have Nylander and Tavares and that second line left wing. You don't really have anyone slotted in there. And what the thing about Robertson, he's more, he's far more suited and far, far, I would say more, you're going to put him in the position to succeed by putting him in the top six. Mm-hmm. And I would, you can, you can definitely throw him on the third line if you want. Maybe he can take advantage of some, some weaker matchups, but in terms of, of how he's going to flourish into the player you want him to, he's going to need to take that spot on that second line and it's there for him. It's ready. And to be fair, he hasn't really done much to grab it yet mm-hmm. from, from what I've seen. But if he, if he comes in there, uh, you know, the, the, the preseason still has way too many games left, which is good for him because he has more runway to really prove it. And if he's able to to show in these next couple of games that he's ready for that spot, I mean, A, that could juice his numbers, but also B, that could that could completely transform his his perception in the fan base and extend his his future with the organization, which, you know, went from being a can't miss prospect to potentially being dangled in trades. So mm. I think I think a strong training camp. Other than maybe some guy, some veterans that are trying to scrap out their last little bit, uh, you know, in turn, last I, I would guess hopes of making an NHL roster. He's got the most pressure on his shoulders, at least in that camp. Mm, fair enough. And uh, the other player I'll mention mm-hmm. is uh, Cody Glass in yes. Nashville. Yeah. You know, this is a player that was taken in the first round uh, by Vegas, and obviously because of the early success the Golden Knights had, they didn't really dip into their pipeline at all instead mm. they sort of you know traded assets and uh and so glass gets a new start in nashville you know i look at that predators forward core and obviously they have some great weapons you know philip forsberg 40 goal score matt duchene coming off uh an amazing comeback season where he had 40 goals as well um but you know i look at it and i say okay i think there's still some room here yes. for cody glass if he can be a versatile guy um you know, maybe you're, and I will also say that it feels like we're moving away from necessarily a strict top six, bottom six in the NHL yeah. recently, where your third line doesn't have to be like your strict shutdown line. Your fourth line doesn't have to just be like physical energy guys. So, you know, if you're in Nashville, again, playing in the central, maybe you look at it and say, well, we want to come at teams in waves, mm-hmm. right? And so Cody Glass, maybe maybe he's only your third line center or even fourth line center, but we know he has skill. We know he can be a playmaker. And if he can get the right opportunities in training camp and if he can prove that he belongs to be there, then again, you know, Nashville gets an asset via trade. Um, you know, he had a great junior career. Let's see what he can do if he can seize that NHL role because he's still not that old. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, one for me, this might be somewhat controversial. I'm not sure why, right. uh, uh, so, but I would say Slavkovsky, Uri Slavkovsky. No, that's fair. I, I think 
and this is not because you know he's this is his last chance to make a team. Obviously, right? You know, he's a first he's a first overall pick. Yeah. But I think that's why he needs to have. I would not maybe not even just a strong training camp, but a strong preseason. Mm-hmm. Because listen, as as much as everyone's high on him, as much as the Montreal Canadiens seem to love him, there's a reason why you know they. They defied convention to pick him, really. Yep. They still divide, defied convention. They mm-hmm. still went against the grain. They still made, you know, the, the, the reaction in the Bell Center, we were all there. Yep. We, we heard it. Was There's a reason why I was so shocked. Yeah. Because they really, they went, like I said, they went against the grain to pick a guy in a position that, you know, is, is not valued as much as the guy they were expected to pick mm-hmm. in Shane Wright. I mean, they picked a, a scoring winger over a, you know, a two-way center. Yeah. Um, I think this guy needs to come out and he needs to look head and shoulders above the players of his own age that he's either playing against or playing with mm. to really show like, all right, well, they they really picked like a special guy here. Like, yes, it's like when it's it, a great NFL analogy is it's like what, you know, picking a running back in like the top five mm-hmm. where like normally you can get a guy like that bit later on. Normally you don't spend a huge pick like that. You usually get like a franchise kind of guy. Mm. But in, but if there's someone who is just so special, so like his, his talent's just off the charts, you want to get him. Then you spend that top pick on him. That's clearly what the uh, what, what the Montreal Canadiens are seeing in Slavkovsky. Yeah. So he needs to have like a monster preseason to show like, oh man, yeah, you're right. This is the best prospect in hockey. This is the best young guy in hockey. There's a reason why we we said you know potentially having a stalwart top six center down down the middle for at least a decade. No, we want this guy who's dynamic. Who's gonna? We want Ovechkin. We want you know that right, guy opposed right. to that. And I think that if he comes out and listen. You know, 19 or 18 year old, 19 year old playing his first professional, uh, not professional, but like North American professional yeah. games. I get it; it's difficult. I, we've seen players, you know, be really, really hesitant to adjust to the North American ice. But I think the the pressure's on him to to immediately step out and show everyone, like, oh, this is why he was number one. Yeah. This is why. And I mean, that that'll shut up all of the questions, at least for the start of the season, around him. Because if not, if he has a really poor training camp, he's probably making the team anyway. Mm. He has a poor training camp. Then you start getting the questions of like, is there pressure on you? Do you feel do you feel a chip on your shoulder in, in that people keep saying maybe they should have picked right? Maybe right. they should have picked this guy. I think it's important to maybe quell the noise in the market for him to come out and just definitively be like, this is why they picked me. No one can really argue with it. Yeah, and a couple of quick points on that. One, Twitter is already a mess. Yes. When it comes to Slavkovsky, he's been trending the past couple of days. Of course. And yeah, it's either Montreal or Toronto fans talking about it. I, I can't. I don't know why I click on Twitter trends. I'm always disappointed. I laugh. It's funny. Not not only hockey, just in general. Yes. Um, but the other thing is, I think Owen Power might have done Uri Slavkovsky a favor in going back to yes. Michigan, because I think there was such an expectation for years that the first overall pick had to go to the NHL mm-hmm. right away and make an impact. But now I think, you know, we see it is about development. So with Uri Slavkovsky, the benefit that Montreal does have is that, you know, because he's coming from Europe, he can go to the AHL yes. this year. It's not like you have to assign him back to the OHL. So, you know, he probably will make the team, Mm -hmm. you know, they need him. But if there are aspects of his game that he needs to iron out over here, you can send him to Laval for a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. where he can get those reps. I mean, heck Cole Caulfield was in Laval last year and I know it was controversial. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. But it wasn't the worst thing that happened. No. So I think it's good to have those options where, and again, Montreal, like, 
they're probably not going to be a playoff contender this year. So you just want to do it the right way. Mm -hmm. So if Slavkovsky has to spend a little bit of time in Laval just to like round out his game, do it. Mm -hmm. It's not a condemnation of him. It's not a condemnation of the pick. Make sure you just develop him the correct way and eventually everything will be great. I think to avoid any of that, because no matter what, even if it's, even if, like you said, it's the best move for his development to spend the year in the AHL, the noise, the, like the Twitter rumbling, the, the questions on a day-to-day basis will be a nightmare to deal with. Your Uh first overall pick, you send to the AHL for the whole year on a roster that's, especially if he was going to play on a roster that, you know, yes, has improved, but maybe he's not playoff caliber. That will be like, Wow, do they really believe in this guy? Mm. They chose him first overall. He's in the AHL all year, even though I'm not saying all year though. No, no, but like, yeah. but he's in the AHL for a long stretch. Like, yes, I know when Cole Caulfield got sent down, you know, it was very controversial, and he came up and he produced. But then again, they changed the coach, yeah. So I think that that really helped him more, and he he was very visibly not thrilled with going down to the AHL. Yeah, I think just to avoid any any headaches, any I think to just avoid. Canuck, or not Canucks fans, Canadians fans arguing over this right. all season, arguing, be defending, mm-hmm. having the you know the emotional bandwidth. Yeah. They're going to have to you know to be, to be like, no, it's best for his development. You shut up. You don't know. Mm-hmm. I think it's best if he comes down the preseason, racks up like you know five points and or uh, like like four points in six games. Oh. Shows like, hey, look, I can hang here. Yeah. I'm very good. Show a couple of flashy moves that that people can clip on Twitter and be like, look at this guy. Yeah. He's got some great talent. Then then I think everyone just is allowed to sort of ride the season out, but we'll see. Fair. Um, all right, moving on. A couple of last, last notes here. The Islanders. Mm-hmm. Underratedly the most quizzical team to me, the most befuddling team to me, you know, because uh, they have a GM that operates in a very odd way, you know, Lou Lamorell. It's all cloak and dagger, and it's like he's, you know, he's like he's running the Pentagon, but he's really running like a middling hockey team. Um, and they, I think they're only free agent, like outside uh, um, of the, uh, outside of re signing players. Their only real free agent signed to an NHL deal was like Nikita Soshnikov, mm. bringing him back over from Russia. This is a team that didn't do very well last year. Um, and now they have, Ilya Sorokin, who who um, is looking to take that next step to be number one, he was fantastic last year for yeah. them, um, and and looks like one of the best goalies in the league now. And then they also have um, Semyon Varlamov, who yes. is a he's a veteran. He's thirty four years old. He had a decently good season last year with thirty one points, you know, two shutouts, nine eleven save percentage. At a certain point, you got to think, all right, we're going to hand the net over to Sorokin full time. And if, and if it's a struggling season this year, a, a trying season again, which it might look like considering no Barry Trotz, which could be a positive based on the, like how they, uh, you know, how everyone's talking about it, but we'll see. Mm. Um, what does like a, what does a, 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 I would say a Varlamov trade look like? Who could he go to and, and when do they trade him? Yeah. So this is fascinating to me because Varlamov's on the final year of his deal. Yes. So he's essentially a rental and you know, Sorokin's the future. Of now, course. I mean, the Islanders probably could have traded Varlamov last year when they were out of the hunt because let's not forget they probably should have. There were some catastrophes for them last year. They had the really long oh. road trip. They had a really bad bout of COVID go through the dressing room, uh, just injuries in general. So, and, and again, you know, Matt Barzell talked about this uh, on the players tour. Like they just they were so far behind the eight ball after sort of 15, 20 games that every loss was just like heartbreaking because Mm -hmm. they knew they were so far behind. So 
you know, let's say they don't get off to a terrible, terrible start this year. Um, you know, Lane Lambert's the new coach. He was the associate coach, mm-hmm. so everybody knows him already. Uh, you're right, not a lot of movement. Alexander Romanov comes in. Um, you know, Noah Dobson is coming off a breakout yes. season, so the defense score is going to be pretty solid. But what I'm just sort of curious is, you know, we've talked about the goalie carousel so much. If the Islanders look at the deadline and say either A, we're probably not going to make the playoffs, or B, we could probably ride Sorokin. Mm-hmm. Do you trade Varlamov to a team that, um, you know, really needs a goaltender because you can get some some nice assets back, yeah. you know, a couple of picks. Now, you know, funny enough, um, you know, some of the teams that I was thinking of don't really have any picks. Colorado, for example, you know, I mean, the Avs, they, they have the new tandem of Georgiev and, uh, you know, Pavel Francouz was there last year. Um, is that going to get them back to a Stanley Cup? I don't know. Varlamov, who played for Colorado before, mm-hmm. I mean, that would work, but you'd it have just... to probably go futures. Like maybe Sampo Ranta is part of a trade, mm-hmm. you know, because Colorado really doesn't have any draft picks. Uh, they've already traded a number of them away. They do have their first, uh, but mm-hmm. that might be a bit That's... steep way too steep for yeah, yeah exactly especially for a rental um and then you know you look at some other teams where you know i mean what if jack campbell stumbles in edmonton do the others say okay well we need somebody else i don't know if you can i don't know what sort of permutations there are that you can make that deal happen um cap is difficult on that one cap's difficult yeah. on that one but, you know, there's probably a couple of teams out there that when you get to the deadline and they say, okay, well, we have everything we need, but we're not really sure mm-hmm. about our goaltending. Could we bring Varlamov in? So I'm not saying he's definitely going to get traded because, I mean, hey, I mean, the Islanders have shown us in the very recent past that they can be one of the better teams in that division. Yes. So maybe they just hang on to him and uh, and, and let him walk during free agency. Maybe he even comes back. I mean, maybe he's at the point in his career where he's fine being a mentor slash backup to Sorokin. Mm-hmm. Who's to say? Uh, but it's certainly, I feel, a very intriguing player to watch this season. What I look at, too, is Sorokin's a lot older than I think people under- think of him as being. He's 27. Yeah. yeah. Like, I like it, specifically, even before today, I was expecting him to be, like, 24, 25. Right. You know? And he has two years left on his deal, including this one. So he will be uh, 29 when that deal comes up. And the biggest thing about re-signing goaltenders is after 30, that's very dicey. Yeah. You know, most of the time we see those contracts not work out. The Bobrovskis, the the Brizgalovs even, you know, yeah. the, uh, the whole these guys like that. Um, I think the time is now to hand the net over to this guy. For I, sure. I mean, yeah, he's he's in he's supposed to be in what will be the middle of his prime. Mm. He is in in his prime earning years, and when he comes up, uh, you know, even if he's a fantastic goaltender, you have to then weigh whether or not he's going to continue being that fa- fantastic goaltender as his aging curve dips deeper into his thirties. Mm. Uh, are you really gonna sort of you're really gonna tie up five million dollars in cap space? Um, on a very on a team that is you know pretty tight to the cap, they got two point three million. Yeah. Um, and, and and they clearly want to win. And you're really gonna you're gonna really let a you know a thirty four year old who's making five million dollars a year potentially you know make make you lose out on half a season or even more than that of what could be what is supposed to be your franchise goaltender. Yeah. I think you gotta. I think I think. It, now would be a good time to deal him. Like I know that you can never have too many goalies and people want to, you, you know, it's great to have a mentor, but yeah. based on 
after after the cuts are made in training camp, once teams really realize like kind of what they have, I think it would be a great opportunity. Or like you said at the deadline, when teams are just desperate, whether it's an injury, whether it's yeah. a, an underperforming guy. I mean, look at the Leafs last year. Yeah. They thought they had their their thing in net, and then both goaltenders were playing terribly towards the uh, the deadline. I think you got to hand the keys over to Sorokin. And if you're going to let, a thir- like I said, a 35-year-old or 34-year-old turning 35 this year veteran who's making $5 million a year rob you of potentially a, a, a year of a, this guy giving you value as your franchise goaltender, I don't know if that's the best move. Then again, Lou Amarello has never been known for asset management. He does things his own way, so who knows. But that's this is a great trade chip to have, especially if he – if he stays healthy. But then again, there's a good chance. He only played 33 games last year. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance that the deadline rolls around. Varlamov tweaks his groin or hip or whatever, and he's not available. And then you go, oh, great. Well, now we now we blew it. Now we can't trade this guy. And now there's uh, and, and now we're, we're stuck with him. We might just have to let him walk in free agency. I think he, I think the time is, with a veteran asset like this, the time is now. I think the prices could be, could be pretty high around this time. Pull the trigger, man. Why not? Who knows? All right. Finally, on our news notes... Luke Richardson gave all the Blackhawks beat writers beer yesterday. Um, and, and uh, you know, that's, that's a lovely story. Um, yes. Never going to happen in Toronto, unfortunately. We are never going to get that. Um, uh, uh, you know, we don't expect it, but it's fine. Yeah. My question, and I, know, and I know you're not a big drinker, but yeah. just theoretically, right. how drunk are you going to have to be to cover this Blackhawks team this year? Yeah, it's going to be tough. And, I mean, there are some interesting questions surrounding the Blackhawks, like does Patrick Kane finish the season mm. – in a Chicago uniform, or does he get dealt somewhere? Yeah. Um, you know, clearly they're going to be a team that's kind of gunning for Connor Bedard. I know Luke Richardson has been on record as saying he's going to try to win as many games as possible. Mm-hmm. And every coach, that is their duty. Oh, absolutely. Coaches don't tank. No, they don't. GMs tank. Mm-hmm. Uh, but players and coaches, they always they do go out and they try their darndest. Um, and good, and that's their democratic right to do so. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is going to be a tough one. But uh, what I found sort of fun about this was, so you have Luke Richardson uh, passing out beer. I remember years ago, Dallas Akins took a lot of flack in Edmonton because he brought a bunch of like healthy yeah. stuff into the media room. And uh, the reporters were just aghast. I would probably do that as well because I, uh, I love junk food. But um, the question I will pose is, uh, you know, what would be the best food to bribe you with if, if you were covering a team? Like for me, and this wasn't even, a, this was just a regular media meal. Mm-hmm. I was in Dallas years ago. Uh, I was doing like a Brad Richards story. And the media meal that night was chicken fried steak. They had Dr. Pepper on tap. What? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, in the soda machine. I shouldn't say it's not like it was a cake. No, but it's still. Uh, and it was a carrot cake for dessert. I'm like, this is like the best media meal ever. Oh, and I, th- and I think it was scalloped potatoes as well. So I was like, it was oh, my first time man. in Dallas for, well, forever. Yeah, it was the first time ever in Dallas. I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is your meaty meal? I love this. So what would what would bribe you? What's funny is it would it's actually a meal that we got during the cup final. Uh-huh. It was it was a lunch. It wasn't our, yes. our it was the the time where we had these like these incredible chicken fingers, pulled oh, yeah. pork and mac and cheese. Oh yeah, that was all good. in one. Yeah. It was ing- I remember being in a far better mood going to the rink that night. This was in, right. this was in Tampa. Yes. Uh, far better mood going to the rink tonight. I'm sure I, I wrote far highlier of, of the players if that's the word uh, than I uh, than I would have. I think it's it's really just like if you 
it, it's funny how transparent it is too. This is like here's here's some free stuff, it's beer. I'm just yeah. one of the boys, you know. Like yeah. you can't you can't blame me for hey. us losing, you know. Like I gave you guys beer, hey, like you did whatever, yeah. you know. Cheers, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's uh, I would say like just some just some great sort of like home cooking food like that like yeah. some some chicken fingers some mac and cheese some pulled pork just something to make you feel all cozy and warm inside there you can't you be mad when you're full of that exactly um and or in terms of a morning skate like just uh, again going back to the cup final like like we had these i'm not sure if if you were there in the morning but we had they they brought in in colorado they catered these these donuts these pastries from this oh, i saw the donuts place. but i was Full, so I didn't have oh, and I had this jelly donut that also like exploded all over me. Like it yeah, looked like, like I, I just Tony uh, Tony Montana just sneezed on me. Right. But either but either <laughs> way, it was it was so good. And I remember just be having a little skip in my step. You know, like yeah, during yeah. that, I was like, oh yeah, this it was probably sugar high, but still perks of the business. So it's you know, like I'm surprised teams don't pull that those stops out more. That's right. Like are you te- like you telling me if. It, it, you know, you, you bribe me with like some, just some nice coffee and donuts. I'm going to be so much more complimentary, uh, uh, just subconsciously. There you go. I love these line combinations. Or even it'll just be like, I love being at the rink. This yeah. is great. Hockey's great. You know, yeah, their, their defense might not be that great, but how am I going to, you know, how uh, I get to do this, this is great. You yeah. know, so it's me different. Um, all right, let's go to the mailbag. Mailbag. We? we got, we got three questions here. Um, uh, two of them are from Ranton and Raven, um, or at, a podcast favorite. Hucky is life. Um, the first one is Calgary needs to trade a defenseman. And this is maybe a two-parter because we'll debate that, that first part yes. between us. Calgary needs to trade a defenseman. Who do you think would hurt Calgary the least but still net a decent return? Yeah. So, uh, and you and I talked about this yes. before. I don't think they have to trade a defenseman because, I mean, the Flames are going to be really good this year. They're so deep. You know, they have sort of seven main guys Mm-hmm. And I mean, injuries happen. So for me, I, I wouldn't make a trade. Yeah. But if I had to, and it pains me to say it, but it might be Yusuf Alamaki. Really? Yeah. And I only say that because I like all the other fits. And, you know, Nikita Zadorov, obviously, he might not have the same high end as Valamaki, but he fits a very specific role. And I thought he played very well for them last year. Yeah. And the return for Valamaki, who's a young defenseman with a lot of tools, would certainly be higher. So if I had to, that would be my choice because I just think everybody else. Um, you know, like I love Mackenzie Weger, you know, like a healthy Chris Tanev is like awesome. We no, saw he- how much they struggle without him in the playoffs. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I think that was like the sort of, that was their Achilles story. heel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like people really didn't mention that enough. I don't think, you know, Hannafin had a breakout. Rasmus mm-hmm. Anderson had a breakout. So it's hard for me to like pick anybody. So, uh, you know, I think Valimaki would get you a great return. I wouldn't actually trade him, but mm-hmm. if I had, if you told me I had to pick one, that would be the one. Yo, that's a really good answer because I'm looking at it and I was thinking like maybe Hannafin, you know, because I think he would get a great package. He's mm-hmm. only he's still only 25. Like it feels Wild. it feels like he's been in the NHL forever. Yeah, and yet he's still only 25. He's making a, he's making under five mil a year, and he's also like a left shot D, which I mean, like you you I would say. I wouldn't say you need less, but like it's it's a more plentiful asset than, than right shot yeah. guys. Um, but then I look at all their like Hannafin, Rasmus Anderson, Chris Tanev, um, Nikita Zadorov, uh, Mackenzie Weger, Oliver Shillington, and then Yusuf Almaki. That is an incredible core of defensemen. 
The fa- and that's incredible core defense considering that combined they all make $25 million, wow. which is just insane. Mackenzie Wieger's their fifth highest paid defenseman. Wow. And Shillington, I should say, the one that I didn't mention, yeah. he has been awesome against yes. Connor McDavid specifically. Exactly. So you got, like, I would even say, like, Shillington maybe. But then again, like, are you going to trade a 25 year old guy who's proven they can do that? You, you developed uh, him and he's only making 2.5 mil for the next yeah, two years? Yeah. Like, like, this is a perfect, it's not broke. Exactly. Why, why fix it? Exactly. And know? it actually got better in the summer because Absolutely. of Mackenzie Weger coming in. And also, like, you got rid of Eric Branson, yeah. who was good for them he last was good year. For them. But, yeah. like, I think all these guys ha- have higher ceilings than and all the guys who either brought in or replaced him with, they yeah. have higher ceilings. And I would say a guy like Nikita Zadorov, who might not fit in other organizations, mm-hmm. a la Branson, who might not fit in other organizations, yeah. is can fit much better in a Daryl Sutter system. Yeah. And you got him for cheaper. And I think he has a higher ceiling than they get Branson. I think they did. I think it's just mwah, maestro job. Yeah. I don't. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mess with it. Like I just wouldn't. Like sure, Valimaki. It might be the answer. But then again, you're not going to trade a 23 year old who's who's still got RFA rights and he's making 1.55 mil. Yeah. You're just not. Yeah. So exactly. there you go. Yeah. Um, and also, what's great about Calgary is they still have enough cap space if he accepts this to sign uh, uh, Sonny Milano at like one year, one mil. There you, you go. Know? Like it's like the Brad for living. Like round of applause. That's off. In, absolutely incredible. All right. Yep. Next question is fantasy hockey related. You can only have one goalie. Mm. Is it Kemper, Yorgiev, or Ottinger? I'm going Ottinger. It's very obviously Ottinger. Yeah, I'm totally going Ottinger uh, because he's going to get a lot of starts this year. And he's already, to me, he's already proven to be, you know, uh, an NHL starter. Mm. I think we, we've we seen it. We've se- I've seen enough. I believe in, in the Otter. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I guess Kemper would probably be the second answer. Um but I just think Ottinger is, is going to like truly hit another level this year. In my fantasy draft, and I'm going to expose this man real quick. My fantasy draft. So last year, Ian Tulloch was, was roasted by us because he chose no goaltenders in the draft. Okay. It was, he thought that goalies were too overvalued when, or too undervalued. And, there, and he thought, you know, what's the point? And then he realized, oh, no, goalies are like the most important position. So he overcorrected in draft five this year. Um, and they were all bad. And he chose... Uh, Yorgiev in the third round. Keep in wow. mind, keep in mind, we're an eight-team uh, league, so he wow. chose him thirty-third overall. Um, so that's not the answer I'm going with. No. Um, I w- I'm gonna look. I think Ottinger is great. I think he's proven. I think he is the answer to this. But I also don't want to sleep in on Kemper either. Mm. Purely, in, this is just fantasy. This is not in real life. Right. In fantasy, he is going to get the lion's share of starts. True. He will probably put up something like a 915, 916 behind a defense that is worse than Colorado's, but Washington still isn't still isn't terrible. You know, it's yeah. it's got some it's got some pieces. Yep. What you want in fantasy for a goaltender is a guy who will just consistently start for you every week. Mm. He you, he is you know if the team has three games, you know he's good for either three or two of at least two of them. Yep. You know because a lot of leagues you have to hit a certain level of starts per per week or per matchup. And basically, it's just a volume thing. And mm-hmm. I think Kemper is great because you know he's a bona fide number one. He is the he is the lead workhorse. Peter Laviolette is an old old school enough coach to ride that guy more mm-hmm. than you probably should. Good point. Um, so I do that. All right. And then our last question in our mailbag is: Is NHL 23 worth it? All right. I'm going to seed this one to you because I do not play the NHL video games. Well, like I do, um, but the thing is that I haven't played NHL 23 yet. Uh, so I, I don't know. Um, but from everything I've heard, it's very similar to NHL 22 mm-hmm. and NHL 22 is a bad video game. Uh-huh. Um, so it, it's, well, at least I wouldn't say it's a bad video game, but it, 
You know what? I will say it's a bad video game. Screw this. You okay. know what? It, 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 it's infuriating. It is, it, is a, <laughs> it is just an infuriating experience, especially online. Um, so I would say, like, you're kind of, if you want to play an NHL, have an NHL video game experience, you're kind of stuck. You got, you got to get it. Mm. Um, and it seems like they've done some little things in 23 that, that could potentially improve it. Like, it seems like goaltending, uh, AI goaltending will be better. You know, they, they're doing cross-generation, or no, cross-console. Uh, cross so if you have an Xbox, you can, or you can at least play with someone who has a PlayStation, but not cross-generation. So I have a play PlayStation 4. Okay. So I can only play, I think, against people who either have other PlayStation 4s or an Xbox One. Okay. Um, so it's just, it's, it's very confusing and it's, it's splintering an already small fan base into like two different mm. factions, which means it's very difficult to find online games. Um, but look, if you want to, if you want to play, at least it's a good, it's a good sort of a uh, platform for you to hang out with your friends on a Friday night. Fair so enough. give it a shot. There you go. Um, all right. Now we go to rapid fire. My okay. first rapid fire. Your first rapid fire. Here we go. This is going to be fun. I'm just going to pull it up right now. I've sat behind the camera enough times to have seen this happen between you and Steven, but I've never been in the hot seat before. There you go. I'm All right, I'm going to start you off. Let's go. Uh, this will be like a nice, easy one because we have both watched The Sopranos we have. for the first time recently. Yes. I will say I'm only on season four still because I watch it sort of sparingly, okay. so no spoilers, but who's your favorite random Sopranos character? Ooh, that's good. Furio. Okay. I love Furio. Nice. Stupid uh, effing game. Like, like, have you gone to that part yet? Or where he? Maybe. I love Furio. I think he's he's great. He, uh, uh, you know, it, it's funny because he's not Italian in real life. The actor who plays him. Oh really? He's okay. just a normal like sounding guy who puts on that accent. Um, I also love. Uh, uh, oh, man, what's his name? Um, I do love Vito. Like just the giant Vito Spadafore. He's mm-hmm. a giant man. Um, and he's, he just doesn't do anything. Uh, the Sopranos are just such an incredible show. I could talk about The Sopranos forever. Yes. I love it. Every character is my favorite in that show. Even the terrible ones, it's fun to watch them die or, you know, get sent to prison. I have noticed that the, the most annoying characters, especially early on, get killed and it's very satisfying. It's so satisfying. Yeah. My favorite random Who's Sopranos yeah. character is Bobby's dad. Oh, yeah, yeah. The guy yeah, yeah. that was, was willing to... Do a hit, even though he could barely climb yes. up a flight of stairs because he was dying and his lungs were like toast. You know, that was my. I mean, he was only in like what, maybe like one episode, maybe one and, one and, a, and half, a half. I think, yeah. That guy was amazing. My, okay, I have a new answer. Okay, it is. Um, uh, oh, it's the bartender at the bank. He just gets the crap beat yes. out of him by Tony every yes. season. He always catches him at the at a time when Tony is fuming, yes. and he'll ask him about the ice, or he'll ask him about you know like overpouring, and Tony will just either throw a phone at him or yes. throw ice. You know, at the end of the day, he quits because he keeps getting abused by people. Right. But I love it because he's just like, I don't know what you mean. He's like, like what? He's, I'm just trying yeah, to do it's it's hilarious. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Uh, next question: What NHL team are you most excited to see this season, based on you know the summer they have? I mean, well, it's got to be Calgary, right? Like, I, I want to see how that meshes. I, I like personally, like, a lot of the players they got. Nazem, I'm a big Nazem Kadri guy. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, I, would, I would say, um, like, Columbus, just because of Goudreau. But then again, like, I can't picture myself getting excited for a Columbus Blue Jackets game, oh. just, like, on principle. Um, <laughs> but, no, I, I, like, I'm also really excited to see how, how Vegas does. Because mm-hmm. I think I think as as unsufferable as their social media presence is, uh, you know, as as uh, you know, just how I would say, just ill ill advised they've handled their their player transactions, and and I would even say just like handled their players behind the scenes. 
the NHL is, seems like a more fun place mm-hmm. when Vegas is uh, is good. And I also want to I also want a team that just like pushes the financial rules of the sport, who goes for it definitively, right. who brings in, who who pulls off, you know, NBA style trades. I want them to succeed because mm-hmm. I don't want it to shy other GMs away. Right. So I'll, I'll say uh, I'll say Vegas and Calgary. Nice. Big All fan right. of them. I will say Columbus for one answer okay. uh, because. They rolled out a Goudreau line, a Kent Johnson line the other ooh. day. And, I was, and it was because Boone Jenner was having like a maintenance day. But part of me was just like, ooh, that, that's very intriguing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, more than likely it's going to be Boone Jenner. But, there, you know, you also have Cole Sillinger there. Yep. And it's like he's already doing really well. So I'm very intrigued to see what their forwards can do because, yeah, historically they haven't had the most exciting forwards. And now they have their most exciting group ever. So I'm yeah. very intrigued by that. And then I'll also say Ottawa. Um, you know, the young guys, the most overrated team, obviously, in the league right now? well, yeah, I mean, they're going to be fine. They're, they're going to be exciting. Yes. Yes. Because I love all the young guys. We've seen them develop over the past couple of years. Guys like Stutzel and Brady Kachuk, Josh uh, Norris, Josh, Josh Norris. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But now it's like. Claude Giroux and Alex Dabrinkit, it's like, that brings some, like, weight up That's front, some legitimate. Some veteran yeah. weight. And it's like, ooh, that's that's fun. And, like, Jake Sanderson comes in, so Thomas Shabbat doesn't have to do, like, everything on the back end anymore. So, yeah, like, I don't – I'm not expecting them to make the playoffs. I think it would be good for them to be competitive late mm. and, and play meaningful games. But I just kind of want to watch them because I think they would be fun. I think it's always interesting to watch a team that has really good forwards and a terrible defense. Right, because that just like it just spurns offense right, in right. six seven games or seven six games and all that, and I mm-hmm. think that that's that's Ottawa where they have a phenomenal forward core. Mm-hmm. Like it's like their top six is among the best in the league. You know, if everyone stays healthy yeah. and everyone kind of hits their ceilings, I think it's incredible. It's phenomenal, um, but their defense is really bad. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, like aside from from Thomas Shabbat and a rookie, yeah, like. Who else are you, are you leaning on? Artem Zub? Like, like yes, he's fine, but, like, is that really a top six or yeah. top four guy on any other team? Yeah. And Cam Talbot in net looked pretty shaky in the preseason, and and he's older and getting up there. And Forsberg had a good year last year, but even then, is he a defend number one? Yeah. But that forward core is so just, fun. like, they're going to – like, it, it really reminds me of the 16-17 the Leafs where they were just all go, 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 go. Right. With, like – and maybe not – you know, they didn't have the veteran presence that this Ottawa team does, but, yeah. I mean – you're watching like Stutzla, Batherson, Norris, um, and then even like Shane Pinto coming yeah. in finally. Like I'm a big it's, Shane Pinto fan. it's very, very interesting. I, I can't wait to see that team. You're there right. You go. All right. What is a song mm-hmm. that you love that you first heard in either a TV show or a movie? Oh, that's so good. Mm. Um, you know what? Really, there, there's a bunch. I mean, there's obviously Scotty Doesn't Know from Eurotrip. <laughs> right. I love that song. Yeah, it can um, be a real song, by the way. Too. A real song. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Well, that is a real song. It's, it by, is... it's by the band Lustra. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I would say uh, uh, my main one is it's a real hero. Um, by I can't remember Ooh. what the band name is, but it's from Drive. Yes, I know that song. And it is it is the song that you listen to when you know you're on a walk and the sun is setting and you're contemplating your is life. It the chromatics. No, that, no, that's no, uh, that's tick else. of the clock. But it's. Yeah, you're right. It's like if you've ever watched the movie Drive with Ryan Gosling and every young man has downloaded that new personality at least once in their life. Um, So I guarantee that you have. It is a phenomenal song. It's the first time I ever heard it was in that movie. It's what I know it from, but Mm -hmm. it's a real song and it's great. It's a great contemplative song. Go Go for it. 
Fantastic pick. Mm-hmm. Mine is Walk the Night by the Scat Brothers, which was in the first season of The Righteous Gemstones. Oh, yeah. You love that show. I got to check that it's out. It's a fantastic yeah. show. And uh, as soon as I, it, it plays as the episode is ending, I think it was like the penultimate mm-hmm. episode, and it plays in the credits roll, and my wife and I were both like, what is this song? This is an amazing <laughs> song. And it's this, it's like... I guess I would just call it like a hard disco song. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like based on the era. Hard disco. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's the kind of song that I can listen to like on a loop. Like I can listen to it like five times in a row. Uh, so I highly recommend yeah. the Scat Brothers. I, a very gonna, niche band. I'm definitely going to check that out. Like check that's, that out. Walk yeah. the Night, man. Walk the Night. Interesting. Okay. All right. If you had a vanity license plate, what would it say? Oh, that's a really good one. That's a really good one. Um... So license plates are six or seven digits, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. I mean, look, I can say one, but I'm not going to say it on the pod. Like it's okay. it's it's, it's <laughs> funny. If um, you can't say it on a pod, then you might not be able to get it on a license plate, anyways. It's true. Um, there are standards. I would, uh, man. That's actually that's really really tough. Mm. Um, man, I don't. You're putting me on the spot here. Wife left. <laughs> There you go. WF. Wife left. L-E-F-T. Yeah, there you go. Wife you left. Go. Boom. I would, I would go straight edge. I would do S-T-R-8 and then E-J. Okay. So it would fit. Wife okay. left is a good one. I'm glad. Yeah. There you go. How many games does Arizona win this year? 21. Yeah. I'm thinking, at first I was like 20 and then I was like, "Is that too low? Should I say twenty-five? But it's it's gonna be in that range. I think it's I think yeah. it's twenty-one. Like I think I think that they'll perform better than some people think, just because yeah. they're they'll be trying. There is a chip on their shoulder mentality. Like yeah. it's embarrassing their situation, but also like they'll think it like they're the only ones who will be used to that atmosphere mm-hmm. all season. So maybe that'll 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 help. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are. I mean. Like Don Lecision's model said, this is the worst collection of talent my model has ever gone through. Right. And I mean, he judged like the Tim Murray, Buffalo Sabres and stuff like that. So it's uh, it's going to be tough. 21, I would say. If I'm going to put an over-under, I'd put 21 and I'd say like hit the even right there. Yeah. Nice, nice. Final question. Okay. What is the most underused mascot name in professional hockey? <sighs> mascot name? Yes. What animal or whatever doesn't get enough love? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um... Got lots of hawks, wildcats. I would say the dr- the dragon. That's a good one because you can really do some fun stuff with the fire coming out of the mouth. True. Um, I think it's it like you can make it either look goofy or intimidating depending on how you want. Like, mm-hmm. and I think the wrong teams kind of like I don't know why Vegas is is a is is a dragon, whereas your name is the Golden Knights. Well, they're the he- yeah Gila monster. Uh, it, it's a dragon. Like like it. Come on, it looks like a dragon. It. it talks like a dragon even though it doesn't talk like come on it's a dragon and so like what, what is a heel monster like come on it's a lizard yeah no it's a dragon and okay. so it's it, it could be a komodo dragon still a dragon but i think like you i think a dragon a dragon is fun because like i said you can do the fun thing with the with true, some true. sort of fire coming out the mouth you can you can make it kid friendly or you can make it super intimidating um and i think it kind of works with with any team whether like if you're the calgary flames for example oh, you can make yeah. your thing a dragon if you're the um even if you're like the the vegas golden knights like knights usually fight dragons so they you do. can make it a dragon. like you can kind of tie it into a lot of things i gotcha. think it's it, but i also do think that not enough teams have embraced um something like groot in their in their 
Like, like I remember Marvel had a partnership with the NHL a while back, yes. the, the defenders and yep. the Leafs one was basically like, Groot. was basically Groot. Yeah. But I think it would be a lot, it would be kind of funny for even like a, even, even like a team like Seattle, mm-hmm. like they're very, you know, their thing is climate pledge arena. They're very green. They could do something like Groot if they haven't done a Kraken type thing yet. So I think that'd be a lot of fun. But I think more dragons. Fair enough. Shout out to the Drumheller Dragons and okay. the Alberta Junior A League. Keeping it down. I'm gonna say rhinos. We don't have enough rhinos in That's hockey. That's a great question. Rhinos are the most like deadly animal in the wild, aren't they? Like one of if and hippos. Hippos are hippos underrated. and rhinos. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah, you got the El Paso Rhinos, the mm-hmm. junior team. But otherwise, not a lot of rhinos. So I'm going to go with rhinos. Uh, rhinos are underrated. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think not enough, like, mythical creatures. Like, I think... Not enough griffins for you? Well, like, there, there are some griffins. But I mean, like, they're, you know, like like the Leviathan. <laughs> Manticores. Or the, the Megalodons. Or <laughs> Megalodon the, would be a great you know, like, name stuff for like, like, they're, like, the Kraken, I think, was so cool. Because yep. everyone it pictures, like, release the Kraken, like, cool stuff. Yeah. I think, like... There's not enough sort of like dragons or like I said, like, like megalodons yeah. or leviathans. Leviathan would be an amazing name for it. There are really cool, like specifically like deep water creatures that totally. are just terrifying that have really cool names that I think we can take advantage of. There you go. Shout not out enough. to the deep sea. All right. Shout that's the, the end of Rapid Fire. Thank you for playing. And I think that's the end of the podcast, isn't Indeed it? It is. Yeah. Well, it's my first show. Hopefully you didn't hate it too much. Uh, <laughs> I, I try. No matter what, you'll never hate me as much as I hate me. So don't worry <laughs> about that. Um, but we will be back next week to talk about, I guess, my second favorite time of the year, which is the season kicking off. Everyone, you know, having a fresh slate. Everyone's mm. everyone's undefeated and everyone hasn't won a game yet. So they're all hungry. It'll be great. Ryan, thank you for joining me. Thank you for letting me join you. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will see you next week.